All right, this is the Sharp Square Podcast. This is Hindsight 2020. This edition post-NFL Week 1 on a Tuesday. Now, normally, I like to do the Hindsight on a Monday, but I had my ultimate decision in Mike and I's Super Contest was the Monday night football game, so I wanted to wait till Tuesday before recording. Actually, that's kind of a fib. Uh, I had the worst opening day I've ever had betting the NFL. I had three cash money bets, and I lost every single one of them. Uh, I had a, a little fun parlay that seemed to get snagged away from me with a late Will Lutz field goal there in the Atlanta New Orleans game. Um, and I gotta tell you, after putting in all of the work that I put in in the preseason to do so bad on week one, it really it it, it really devastated me. I was very frumpy was the word. Uh, my wife said salty, very quiet, very silent the rest of Sunday evening. Uh, and into Monday, I just. I didn't feel like I was going to be able to make it through an entire football season. I really didn't. It it's not it, when I was sitting on Saturday going over my plan for how to bet on Sunday. I really wanted to focus myself on not getting deterred if I had a losing day. I was set for it. I was prepped for it. I was not prepared, though, for outright annihilation. And what was so frustrating was I picked games pretty well. Over the course of the week, I was 10-6 and six against the spread. But my picker was bad. I just put all the wrong games in my bet slip, and it cost me a bunch of cash. Now, in hindsight, which is the point of this show to look over the week and see where we got things wrong, I looked at my three cash bets. Green Bay Packers, Tennessee Titans, and the New England Patriots. And I feel like I was a little bit hesitant and ended up passing on games like Chicago, on games like Atlanta, Because I couldn't bring myself to bet on the bad teams, which is usually something I don't have any problem with. But because I said, well, I could bet on Aaron Rodgers, I can bet on Bill Belichick, I can bet against the New York Giants, I think those bets ended up, the thing they all had in common was they looked safe. And there's no such thing as safe bets in the NFL. The books are too sharp. They're not putting that free square out there on the bingo card. If you're looking at a bet and thinking, oh, I've got it, you know, I've got the book dead to rights here, boy, you're most likely missing something. A lot of credit to Mike. His bet slip, and he had a great day on Sunday, really let me see the error in my ways because we were both on similar games, but he had the stones to bet Atlanta. He had the stones to bet Detroit, to bet Pittsburgh, and he ended up having a winning day on those games. 
The one bet I won this weekend was Monday Night Football. I had the Seattle Seahawks, and the reason I was so down, I think, yesterday was because I felt a little snake bit, and I thought for sure all day my Seattle bet would lose And going in, me and Mike were doing really well in the contest. It was a chance to have a big week, one of those big weeks you have to have in order to do some damage in these contests. And I just didn't want to bring the team down. I could live with my own financial ruin, but playing as a team, Mike picked games so well, I didn't want to bring us down to a 3-2, and which is fine, But that was the opportunity to hit one out of the park. And I was so worried about the Seahawks game because I thought it was going to be the hardest game to win. It was the ugliest pick that I had. It was the one that scared me that I was going to look stupid. And what it always tends to come down to in gambling is those are the bets that you want to make. Uh, My handicap on the game was great. I I just thought... This was Seattle's Super Bowl. It was obvious that that there was an energy amongst the crowd. There's an energy on the sideline. You have Pete Carroll running around, jumping up and down. Look at Geno Smith. Geno was 23 of 28. You know, I didn't even really consider Geno had something to prove because once Russell left town, everyone thought, hey, Seahawks are dead to rights. Here's a guy who hasn't been an NFL starter in eight years. He had something to prove. Seattle looked great. Denver looked sloppy. They had 13 penalties in the game. They were 0 for 4 in the red zone. Whatever that hack, hack it, time management job was at the end. And then at 4th and 5, you go for a 64-yard field goal. It just... Look, whether or not it was a good decision, I'll leave that to smarter people than me, but it looked chaotic and sloppy, and that's what I expected. Not the great Russ Cook revenge against Seattle game. I thought it would look that way, and I had that one right. We went 2-0 in ultimate decisions, as Mike had his ultimate decision as well. Atlanta was focused. They were ready to play. They had twice the amount of rush attempts and 201 yards on the ground. They were up by 16 late in the fourth, into the fourth quarter, but New Orleans, I guess, got it together there. You know, Mike said it might take New Orleans some time to get going, but we just both thought, and Mike really, he made it his number one pick. Hey, I think this hate for Atlanta has gone too far Great pick there by him. Atlanta catching six. They should have won the game outright. If they had, I would have won a really nice parlay. But they get the cover, and that's all we care about. You know, it's funny. Last night, my wife got confused because I was like, oh, okay, good. It looks like Denver's playing for the field goal. And she said, she goes, I almost forgot what I was dealing with for a second because I said to myself, wait, don't you want Seattle to win? And then she realized, no, I don't care if you win, just cover. Uh, The one game where we didn't cover, New England, boy, you know, that game was competitive and close, but New England, just again, sloppy, 
three failed fourth down conversions, 0 for 2 in the red zone. Mac Jones throws a pick six. All the credit in the world to Miami. They look like the more focused, more prepared team in the game. So that was a great job by them. And, you know, I tried. I had a handicap that made a lot of sense. I talked about how if you were going to play Belichick, week one might be the week because he doesn't have the tape on you. And, boy, New England just looked discombobulated in a way. They've got Matt Patricia calling the plays on offense. It just seemed like a game where New England was not fully engaged. And on the other side of the ball, Miami was engaged So, a lot of credit there uh, to the Dolphins. And here's the main thing. What we failed to see in that game was everyone thought the Dolphins were great and New England was bad. Okay, so we're bucking a trend there. But at a certain point, do you think the three and a half's out there because New England's a, a free square again on the bingo board here? Yes first-time head coach. Yes, Belichick's a genius, but this especially falls on me. When you worship at the altar of Bill Belichick, you start to overemphasize even his impact coaching an average at best team. So that was a game where it was a forced pick. It was our chain of custody game, but I got to tell you, After watching that thing, I think maybe myself especially was a little too dismissive of the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, tough beat there. It's hard to say in hindsight that that we would have felt good laying the three and a half with Miami. But I think all too confident in the simple handicap of Belichick versus a new coach you know, my father-in-law made a good point. He 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 thought going into the game, Miami was the side. Simply put, New England struggles against Miami early, especially in Miami. Sometimes when you overthink or try to work around those simple handicaps, trying to out-sharp the room, sometimes you get engaged in spots you shouldn't. So that was our one miss. It was the only miss we had of the day, so we'll certainly take it. Uh, two more games, and boy, the Washington game, I give Mike all the credit there because that game wasn't on my radar. I actually, in my power ratings, thought Jacksonville was the value side there. But when Mike said, hey, maybe we're going too far on the hate for Washington, I thought, huh, that could be something because Mike's all in on Jacksonville. If you made me guess when he brought up the game what side he would have been on, I think I would have guessed Jacksonville, but he was on Washington. So then the next day I'm listening to a gambling podcast and they talk about how that line had moved from three and a half down to two and a half, which is a significant one point move moving through the key number of three. And they didn't think it was really based on anything other than speculation. So the fact that Mike, who is pro-Jacksonville, 
was willing to go on the other side with Washington really opened them up to me. And look, I had no problem going against Jacksonville because even if I'm wrong on the Jaguars, I don't see them as a team that's going to be very good. Whatever improvement they make would probably take time. And Washington returns a lot to the roster. They have the similar coaching staff. Say what you will about Wentz. He's a lateral move at worst from Heineke. So that was a good spot for Washington. Now, we got bailed out by a Carson Wentz touchdown late. But as much as those plays can kill you, sometimes they help you. So great job on Mike putting this game on the radar, putting the pick out there. We got it in at a good number and got bailed out on the win. That was great catching Washington uh, minus two and a half. Same thing sort of happened with Cincinnati-Pittsburgh. Now, I brought up Pittsburgh as an ugly Betty contender. I thought it was a perfect rah-rah spot for Mike Tomlin. They're playing the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl contending Cincinnati Bengals, a division rival, a team that owned them in two games last year. Here they are on the road, touchdown dog, first game of the year. It had Tomlin's spot written all over it. Mike, though, tends to like the Bengals. He tends to want to bet the Bengals. So when he came back at me and said, oh, I like Pittsburgh, I thought, wow, for Mike not to be at least leaning the Cincinnati way really makes me feel he sees something here with Pittsburgh. And this is one of the great things about working together as a team easy for me to say I want to be on Pittsburgh because I often find myself playing the so-called Tomlin spot. But knowing my partner, knowing that Mike is usually a pro-Cincinnati guy and he was going the other way really affirmed my confidence there. So it got us on to Pittsburgh. Hey, it was a great week. Four and one. Those are the weeks that you have to have in these contests and now we just got to continue we got to push forth we got to grind even harder this week because week two is all set up with traps all over the place Mike said going into week one he has a good feel in week one and I can back that up I've watched him have a lot of success betting this week historically I've done pretty well in week two I think I've got a good eye for the overhype and overreactions. We'll see how things play themselves out, and I think you can bet on it.